Welcome to Five Star Company Culture with your host, Josh Cunningham. In this podcast, we explore how culture is the key to unlocking massive profits and unprecedented freedom. Discover insights, strategies, and inspiring stories to transform your life and business. Here's your host, Josh Cunningham. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Five Star Company Culture Podcast. My name is Josh Cunningham. I'm your host and the founder and CEO here at Five Star Company Culture. I've got an incredible guest for you today, super enthusiastic and energetic to have Colton Lindsay, the founder and CEO of the WGR. How's it going, Colton? What's up, my man? Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Just honestly, we had this podcast planned 30 minutes ago and we just got lost talking, dude. It's been I know. Good. Always good to catch up with you, but now we're going to hit record and we're going to share this conversation with, with the rest of the world. But for those of you who don't know, I haven't had the pleasure to meet Colton. He uh, is is quite an influencer in the real estate space, you know, especially with helping people attract agents into their world. You know, in, in real estate, a lot of people are thinking that the number one asset that they have is their ability to create transactions with their customers. But really, truly, we're seeing a shift in the real estate world of not just finding the next deal but finding the next agent to create multiple deals for you. So he helps a lot of people with agent attraction. He has multiple seven-figure brands, uh, over 1,700 people within his own WGR community, and 2,000 agents in his real brokerage network. So Colton, why don't you uh, do a little bit better job and you know uh, give our audience here a little bit of background on how in the heck did you get to where you're at today, man? Sweet. Yeah, well, I think we all got into business for the same two things, way more money and way more freedom. And throughout my career, you know, when I started doing 75, 80 deals a year, I had more money, but I didn't have more freedom. Like mm -hmm. as a real estate agent, I was doing 70, 80 hours a week. And it got to the point for me, I went the wrong direction. I don't recommend this direction, but I was so frustrated and overwhelmed trying to keep the wheel spinning that I used a lot of drugs and alcohol during that phase. Um, but what I realized, what I didn't have was the whole reason I got into business in the first place, which was freedom. Mm. And Throughout the process to going where I am today that you explained is I realized there was two big important things. One is go where the margins are bigger and two is go where the margins are residual. And no matter what, that was impossible for me to do as a real estate agent. And as I did this, I learned that there are three tiers in which you can monetize the agent attraction space. Number one is what most people do. It's done for, for decades through the KW model, which is a traditional real estate team or you know you know it as a as a traditional independent brokerage the challenge with that is it's no geographic freedom it's high risk it's high exposure it's low profit margins and when the market shifts it kicks your ass i've watched it so many times in the last 18 months i didn't really love that approach the second way the second tier which i've crushed it at is called infopreneurship this is where it's it's mentorship it's coaching it's training digital products info products and you're selling inf uh, organized information exchange for, for, for money. The cool thing about this is geographic freedom. It's high profit margins. It's easy predictability. And it's a growing economy. If you see where technology is, it's a whole other thing, you know, from the social media revolution to the AI revolution. But then the third tier is what's through uh, attraction networks like real brokerage or EXP or LPT or something like that. That model is no longer the future. It's the now and growing. The older model, say Century 21 or, or you know the Anywhere model, the independent model, franchise model is dead. It's dying. And brokerages 
need to understand agents, uh, they need agents more than agents need them. So mm. throughout this journey, I really started the infopreneurship space with Agent Attraction in 2014. That's when I started making my first hundred grand with it. And over the last 10 years, I just learned how to freaking just crush it. So I feel really yeah. blessed. That's yeah. awesome, man. Uh, well, you know, you talk about you know, of course, the podcast here is all about company culture, right? Company culture, a five-star company culture is going to help you attract and retain top quality talent, right? You got to surround yourself with 18 players. It's going to help you deliver exceptional customer experiences, right? Because the only reason a business exists is to help people solve problems. You need to do it that in the best way that you can. And then number three, like you said, is it's more profits and freedom for business owners. And so given the fact that you just talked about, you know, of the three tiers that you have there, the two that you're most focused in is infopreneurship and agent attraction. I mean, talk to me a little bit about how the culture, right? You're not just selling information. People aren't just going to buy the information from you and consume it because the information truly is, I mean, it's, it's widely available, but people are going to be magnetically attracted to the information that you're providing because of the, the way that you make people feel, the way that you deliver it, the way that the experience that you share with them. So talk to me about how culture is important to you in, the, in those elements. I want to come to that, but I want to say too, the cool thing about infopreneurship is it's a sellable asset. Hmm. traditional brokerage is sellable, but not real great, like low multiple. And a team is just definitely not sellable. Maybe one or two people out there, some anomalies will sell, but most part is not going to happen. So understand that. And then you look at tier three, where I look at the network, that's a lendable asset with some cool shit that like real brokerage is working on and creating, becoming a bank and things like that. But you're right. Culture. And I love how you know, I'm good friends with the CEO of real his name is tamir Pollock. he said it really well in the sense of culture is something that's felt it's an energy that's felt and so mm -hmm. how i look at everything is our thoughts and focus affect our feelings and our emotions and emotions are simply a vibration if you look at how we absorb through neural linguistics we got touch taste eye sound smell audio right all this what no one talks about is one of the most powerful ways to sense is through vibration and the culture that you harness in your brand is what vibrates out and is felt not with your skin but in your soul and that's what creates this magnet effect now if you look at uh 2023 it was a challenging year in every space when we talked about this before like for me we had to evolve a ton in my brand and we, we still did great but it was work but even during that, my culture was tested to the max this last year. And we even, we got skewampus in our vibration and I had to re-harness what the soul of our brand is. Now, I think you do a great job at contexting, how do I harness that vibration? How do I mm -hmm. harness that energy? Because although, yeah, it is an energy, but how do I actually harness it? It's not by accident. It's by a clear plan. So to me, it's the most important part both in hiring talented people that I want to retain and they're going to work not only when things are great, but stick with me when things suck because they will happen. But then the client, the level of client that I attract into my, to serve the agent that I, I bring into my world is attracted to what culture that I hold a standard to. Yeah. I love it. Uh, and for those of you who haven't already, you definitely need to follow Colt and he puts a ton of great content out online. It's the WGR is his handle so find him on facebook instagram whatever but uh, a couple weeks ago you put something out that really hit home to me it was a post i'm sure you put it on all your platforms but i noticed it on facebook you said if you are a business owner it's like being a homeowner a client is your guest you want to treat them well 
but you also don't have to allow every guest over if they are not an ideal guest. That's one thing I appreciate about Real Broker. The culture comes first, designed with the agents in mind and doing the right thing to make a difference. Complaining and victimization is not allowed in your home. Don't allow it in your business. Love that post, man. I think that's just an incredible way of articulating those feelings, right? Those vibrations of, you know, a, a lot of times there's a, a lot of myths in the business world that aren't correct. You know, the customer's always right. Well, like you said, you know, you don't just allow anybody into your home. You don't allow anybody to come in and track mud all across your carpets and kick your feet up on the coffee table. Like there's a certain expectation. There's a certain standard that you need to have as an organization. And you need to protect that for all of the other people within that organization. For sure. And that's at any company, you know, like I own an orange theory franchise with, with my gal and same thing. Like what, what happens if you get the wrong guest in your home working for you or a client starts to get a little mud on the carpet. Mm -hmm. People start to notice that versus mm -hmm. the beautiful chandelier. They notice the mud. Mm -hmm. You've you, you got to make sure that you're absolutely having a, protecting your home it's your sanctuary your your culture is your sanctuary without it you don't have a business you might have some systems and processes but ain't no one gonna follow them because they don't they don't have a belief in the vision mm -hmm. and that's really when you look at the a ceo of a company their role is to evangelize the vision the culture and the standards of the brand this is where we're going this is what it's going to take to get there either get on the bus and ride with me or get the fuck off. Mm -hmm. And the way you get people to fuck off isn't so black and white like that. It's polarizing in the sense of this is the eight. You use the language really well. I noticed you do it a lot is this is what a team is. A team is coachable. They ask for feedback. They show up, they say, what else can I do? How else can I add value? But then we're staying away from the C team. We mm -hmm. don't want the booties. We want the Kobe's. We don't want consistent, inappropriate victimization or entitlement or drama. And now conceptually, we know this, but the question is, is are we setting up an evangelization system in our company to remind people that? Are we rewarding the A team? Are we kind of pushing out the C team and letting us know, hey, that's just not going to be tolerated here. Mm -hmm. And that's, there's a skill set to that. It just doesn't happen by accident. Yeah. We've probably all had people come into our organization and, you know, I've been in leadership for 20 plus years and it's always interesting when you have the people on the team that have complaints, right, about whether it's the organization or the leadership or, or you know, the leader themselves, it's typically your C players, right? It's, it's underperforming individuals. And that means that you have an A-team culture because it's going to magnetically attract the strong, highly competitive individuals. You know, champions crave accountability and people that don't. You know, they want to hide in the shadows. You know, they want to be left alone. Those are the type of people that are going to be pushed out of the organization. They're probably going to be bitching and whining and complaining on the way out. Um, I loved your your analogy here. And for those of you who didn't pick up on it, you talked about the Rudies. Tell us about the Rudies, man. You don't want the Rudies in your organization. Yeah. So um, we've all, I'm, I don't know if we've all seen it because some of you guys might be younger and you're like, these guys are getting kind of old. They're 40. <laughs> But in the 90s, there's this movie, Rudy. It's a great movie. It's a heartwarming movie about the kid that plays uh, as water boy at Notre Dame four years. And then his senior year, the last game, the captain protests, the whole team protests to get Rudy to be able to dress for the football game. He dressed for the football game. He's on the sidelines. And the end of the game, you know, one of the guys starts chanting, Rudy, Rudy, the whole crowd starts chanting, Rudy. So the coach, 
just cements, puts him in the game. The last two plays, he actually gets two sacks or something, if I remember right. And the crowd celebrates. But after that game, who did he get drafted by in the NFL? Nobody. He didn't get drafted, <laughs> dude. Yeah. So that's the problem is we, we, we draft all these people, agents, customers, we draft Rudy's that they don't even play 90%, 99% of their entire collegiate year. They didn't play because they weren't good enough. Mm-hmm. They just, and that's nothing against Rudy. He just fucking wasn't good enough. Instead mm-hmm. of why aren't we drafting Kobe's? Why aren't mm-hmm. we focusing on Kobe Bryant's? That's how I always look. The reason why I love Kobe is, and I love this story that Allen Iverson told when Kobe passed was the first game that they played each other, they were drafted the same year in the nineties. And before their first game where they played in LA, him and Kobe went to dinner and Allen asked Kobe what he was doing after the game. And Kobe said, I'm going back to the gym. I'm watching game film. I'm going back and working on the, on the game. And he said, what are you doing after the game? And Allen says, I'm going out to turn it up. He's going out to the club. Now I always love that because if you look at the end of both of their careers, Dude, Kobe looked like he could go win another championship. Mm-hmm. Allen looked like a, I mean, he was very talented, very, very talented. I think even more talented than Kobe, but didn't look like he could win the way Kobe could. And it's because that compound effect of doing what winners do, they show up, they love a scoreboard, they love to compete. They say, what else can I do? What feedback do you have for me, coach? And they don't trick that feedback personal. In fact, they use it to stir inside of them to just get better at, at what they're doing, but not only do they do that, they actually win. They mm-hmm. actually get on the field and they score points. Mm-hmm. They, that is what's super important about these. Whereas if you look at what Allen Iverson did, he wasted his talent. And even if you see his social today, the dude's living in the fucking glory days. Mm-hmm. When, when before, before Kobe passed, he was not posting about the glory days. He was posting about the new win he was winning, the children's book that he was writing, the the league that he had created with his daughter. Like he was focusing on that. Where mm-hmm. Alan was focusing on what he did great in 1998. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. And and so that's I. If you can look at it that way, stop hiring Rudy's. Rudy's a great dude, really is, but he couldn't win. Like he did, he just couldn't win. No matter how hard he worked, he couldn't win. And mm-hmm. hard work is not the secret to success. I know a lot of people work hard that just aren't successful. You got to score. Yeah, that reminds me of a story. I was at at an event speaking a couple years back, and one of the other speakers was Kevin Eastman, and uh, he was an assistant coach on Doc Rivers' staff at the uh, Boston Celtics when they had the the original big three, and they won the championship with Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen. And um, he also got to coach the Olympic team as well. So he was around Coach K and the Olympic team. And so he, he was around all the elite players in the league you know the guys with the natural talent and the guys that you know give it their all and really take it to the next level and he told me you know when when from his position from his perspective being around the best talent in the world he said there was really three things that he observed he said that the average players wanted to be left alone right they just they 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 had this natural talent they had an, an ego or an attitude or whatever they just wanted to do everything their way the average players they just wanted to be left alone he said the the good players they they allowed you know their uh, leadership to coach them so they wanted to be coached right coached up a little bit and as you know coaching you know you got the compliment sandwich you know something good something you can improve on and then something good again he said but the truly elite players the guys that were on the Olympic teams, the Kobe's, the Kevin Garnett's, the guys that, you know, showed back up to the gym after the game to get film and get more advice. He said the difference between them was they wanted to be told the truth. 
And that's a very powerful uh, realization that like, you know, coaching a lot of times we, again, we think about coaching and leadership and you've got all these techniques on how to lift people up and make them a better version of themselves. But those truly talented individuals, not the Rudy's, but the Kobe's that Love you want on your team, they want to be told the truth, right? Yeah. They, they, they truly want to reflect and improve and, and work on themselves. So um, yeah, love all the basketball analogies here. Neither of us are even basketball guys, you know. I don't know the last time you picked up basketball, but uh, love to be, uh, you know, in admiration of uh, phenomenal talent. Basketball in years, dude. I think maybe a couple decades. The kids actually, I probably did, but yeah. there was wasn't good skills. So, <laughs> <laughs> so talk to us about what you going got going on, man. It's a new year. Uh, we got some new exciting things. I know you just finished yeah. hosting a virtual event, and the WGR yeah, is so always blowing and going. Yes, yeah, so I'm really pumped. We just hosted our first uh, virtual event. It was a two-day event. And I say this with like just excitement and confidence that we can blow anyone fucking away when it comes to virtual events. Because what we built with the studio, the amount of money we've invested to it, but you mix that with the skill set that I've developed over the years and being able to train on stage. We've brought so many cool things in. We had one of our, and I was telling you about him, a guy named Lewis Weaver, one of our long-term members of the the Freak Show and then um, partnered with Real Brokerage. He's been to probably 20 of my events. And he said this was his favorite event. And so we've just been able to really harness this experience virtually that is like no other in our space. So I'm pumped about that. Reason why that's important? Well, there's some selfish reasons. Number one is I get to sleep in my own bed at night when we do those events. But also the other thing is that is we can reach more people. Like there was one of our clients there that, you know, she for, she has a, a new baby, six month old. It just mm -hmm. didn't work for her to get into in person for that, mm -hmm. right? Travel schedule, getting there and all that. So we're able to just expand that. But I think really cool thing too, as you look at a brand perspective, is we expand our culture of the WGR Freak Show we're reducing our risk and exposure. Mm -hmm. And one of my rules in business is to hedge yourself against your own stupidity, mm -hmm. right? Like if you think any of the problems you've had in your business, they started out as your own great idea. Like mm -hmm. any of the problems I had in my business started out as a great idea. And so I'm always looking at how do I reduce exposure by increasing upside, increasing the return on what the business is. And same reason why you're in business, you want business freedom. And most people, especially in real estate, Josh, they're, they're business operators. Mm -hmm. I mean, if they stop working, they got a money problem. The money quits coming in. Mm -hmm. What, what I'm, I'm talking about is business owner. Business owners, if I stop working, money keeps coming in. Like, look, even if I stop working today, I'll make a million bucks a year plus my investments. However, I know there's huge more opportunity to grow that through what we're creating on the other side. So I want more people to have that. And that's what we help with real estate agents do. And the truth is, Josh, most real estate agents are never going to get that following the traditional model. The mm -hmm. traditional model is broken for freedom for when it comes to real estate agents. Yeah. Yeah. So if someone wants to learn a little bit more about you or the WGR or how they can achieve you know, more profits and freedom in their life, what, where would you direct them? Best is go to my Instagram, instagram.com forward slash the WGR. In fact, there's, if you want, I have a free 18 minute training on there. It's, it's called my three tier system to make a hundred thousand dollars a month, whether I work or not. So sweet video gives you kind of the macro of view of, of what I do, but um, you can take that video and get into action. If you're focused on agent attraction, if you're focused on growing your real estate brand to where you want more residual income with way less risk and exposure and expenses, and that will help you quite a, quite a bit. Awesome, man. Well, thanks again for, carving some time out of your schedule to come and uh, share your insights here on the five-star company culture podcast. 
to our guests, thanks again, as always, for listening and look forward to many more awesome guests and stories about getting that five-star company culture to uh, help you attract and retain top quality talent, deliver exceptional customer experiences. And then as an entrepreneur or business leader, you got to achieve more profits and freedom in your life, you know? So uh, thanks again. Can I I add one thing before you say that? I was just about to say, last thoughts, Colton. He said, he, or I'm talking to them. You said, I think the key that people need to understand is it's about the customer experience, not the customer service. Mm-hmm. And one of the key indicators of their experience is the vibration that is felt and that is directly proportionate to the culture. Mm-hmm. And it's so underestimated and underutilized because people in this industry are so busy just trying to keep their plates spinning. Mm-hmm. But drop some fucking plates and focus on this and watch the revenue soar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not about transactions, but it's about the experience. Yep. So love it, man. Well, thanks again, Colton. Thanks again to our audience and uh, we'll catch you next time. See you later, gang. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to Five Star Company Culture with Josh Cunningham. Embrace these lessons to elevate your business and join the ranks of thriving organizations. Stay tuned for more episodes. And until next time, remember, culture is the key to your success.